Welcome to the Godly Manhood Podcast, where we seek to encourage men to consider how they can grow in godliness as men, husbands, and fathers by sustaining themselves with God's Word and applying it in their daily lives. I'm Emery Phipps, the student minister at Koinos Church in Troy, Ohio. And I'm Brian Barnes, a elder and life group leader at Koinos Church in Troy, Ohio. Well, hey, we want to thank you for coming back after our intro episode and some audio kinks that we were working out. Um, I think we've got that all figured out now. Um, especially after the last half hour plus of you said hour and a half wrong hour and a half hour and a half of uh being angry at a computer and relying on uh a fellow brother in Christ who knows way more about computers than we do yeah thank god um, for good friends that are nerds uh, like our friend David yeah pushing one button and kind of laughing at us <laughs> so we, yeah. we were stumped hard on a single uh mechanical failure it was a button that yeah, we feel, just yeah i feel really good about myself right now yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I can split wood pretty good. <laughs> um, can't do technology, but that's okay. Yeah, I can find solitaire on that computer. Yeah, that's good to have godly men in your life that you can call for tech support. Definitely. Yeah. Geek squad, coin host style. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But here we are. We did it. Yeah, so hey, thanks for being here again. We're going to add on to um, what we did in the last episode. Last episode, we kind of t- told you a little bit about who we are. Um, and we thought this week it would be really good to share our testimonies with you, who we are in Christ, um, how God changed our lives, how he drew us to, to him, and um, just share that with you and just uh, talk about what the gospel is. We mentioned the gospel quite a bit last week um, in that podcast. So, um, Brian. Yes. So, I know I've heard your testimony a few times. Um, what is a testimony? Why is it important? Yeah, so I think a sharing your personal story about how Jesus Christ changed your life and and why you are now a follower of Jesus is one of the most impactful tools to share the gospel with a friend or a stranger or to help tell the story of the good news of the gospel. It's it's personal. It's what happened to you. It's, it's how you decided to, to dedicate your life to following Jesus. And I think that we can make that way too complicated. I think people get stressed out thinking about how to tell the gospel to somebody uh, with all of the good and proper Bible language, you know? Oh, I didn't go to seminary or I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor. I can't share the gospel. But the truth is, is that, that if Jesus is Lord of your life, you have a story to tell. And that can be super impactful. So I think a good place to start tonight is just saying plainly, what is the gospel? And uh, a lot of people, you know, will use very simple uh, Bible tools to tell the gospel to people. And one of them is the Romans road. This is one that my sons and I have been doing, uh, in Bible study at our house lately. So the good news in a nutshell is, uh, the gospel in a nutshell is the good news about Jesus Christ, who was the son of God. Um, and he is the savior, uh, for anyone who would call on his name, put their faith in him and his life, death and resurrection that they can be saved. And so, uh, you got to start by telling people uh, what they need saved from. Why do they need a Savior? So Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have to recognize that everyone who has ever lived, not named Jesus Christ, is a sinner. And that sin separates us from a holy God. So um, that sin deserves God's wrath, God's punishment, separation from God. So then Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 6.23 plainly says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I've told you that you are a sinner. I told you that, uh, that there is a punishment for sin, that death is the wage for that sin, and that this loving and gracious God uh, provided a way for you to be saved through the death of his son, Jesus. So then in Romans uh, 8, 1, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So um, taking somebody through that walk to understand uh, uh, who is God, who is Jesus, and who are you to him is essential uh, there. And then Romans, uh, I got to end it with uh, Romans ten nine. it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so that is the simple Romans Road explanation. There are a lot of ways to tell that story to people. 
Um, but I think as Christians, we need to be armed with the readiness of the gospel. Like be ready to tell people the gospel and then quick to be able to tell people what it means to you. And that is your testimony. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love that you walked through the Romans road for that. I know as a kid growing up and I'll share some of my parents coming to faith and that story because it's a big part of mine, um, a little later, but you know, so many people do, they have this fear. I think part of it is like, if I don't say the right thing, this person won't, might not be saved. They might not accept Christ. Yeah. But the reality is it's not on me. I, I don't save people. That's right. I can only be obedient and sharing the truth of the gospel with them. The Holy Spirit does that work. Um, he regenerates. He changes hearts. He's God is the one who saves. And I think for me, the recognition of that was a huge step in allowing me to share the gospel without fear. Yeah. And yeah. then the techniques, like you are the the, uh, the 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 way is to share the gospel. The, you know, our church teaches the three circles. Yeah. Um, awesome class. So, hey, if you're somebody out there right now and you're like in the Troy, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio region, and you're like, hey, I don't know how to share the gospel with people and it's keeping me from doing that, and you're a believer, uh, check out our church website, koinos.church. We have a Next Steps class taught by our discipleship pastor on the regular, and it is awesome. Come see how to share the gospel. Stop making that your excuse. Uh, so plug for Norm Kite. Yeah, one thing I always uh, remind people of is that that we have no power to save anybody. And it doesn't matter how good the words are, how beautiful and smooth it might come out of your mouth. That doesn't save anybody. The Holy Spirit is there to convict, to soften someone's heart uh, to that gospel message. And so Jesus commanded us to go and tell people. He didn't say how to do it uh, following this particular script. He didn't say, uh, you know, only do it if you've been to seminary, only do it if you are a qualified teller of the gospel. He just said, go and do it. And, and it is up to the Holy Spirit uh, to transform the hearts and lives of the people who hear it. Uh, so we are to be obedient to that call and not get uh, too twisted up. It, it's an anxious thing. I mean, it, it's a nerve wracking thing. Oh yeah. You don't want to, you want anybody mad at you or to be like, wait, how dare you tell me this thing? The gospel is offensive. I know David Platt says that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but um, Robbie Gallaty, one of my favorite authors on discipleship and things like that, uh, he says the gospel came to you on its way to someone else. Yeah. So we need to share it, and we should be doing that unafraid um, to do so because our story, no matter how lame we may think it is, I've had this discussion um, with some people who are like, oh, my story is not as good as this person's or that. No, your story is a miracle. Yeah. God changed you. That's amazing. Why Share it with everyone. That's awesome. So uh, on that note, Brian, Share your salvation story, man. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. So, um, yeah, boy, it's funny. You know, you think back to where you were then, and, and you just all of a sudden there's too many words to, to say. But um, I was saved when I was 12 years old, and uh, it, was a, it was not probably in the way that I would want that to happen and not how I would want that to happen maybe for my children. I think it, it happened from a position of, of absolute fear and anxiety about my position before God. And though that is a very valid fear and concern for a sinner, a lost person, aimlessly, you know, moving toward hell, essentially, um, I, I, my knowledge was so thin. My, my understanding of the gospel was so thin. I had no awareness of grace, and I had no awareness of the, the deep love that God has for his people. And so... Um, the way that I came to faith at a young age is, is through this idea that uh, I had heard. I grew up in a, in a church environment, but I, it wasn't a particularly theologically deep church. I, I left, uh, you know, it, left home at 17, and, and I couldn't tell you what the word gospel meant. I didn't know what that word meant, um, but I knew enough to be saved. So at 12 years old, riddled with fear and anxiety, about all kinds of things. And, you know, I think like a lot of kids that grew up in the 90s, the Left Behind books probably put a little more pressure on that than they should have. Uh, you know, always rapture ready. I have uh, those somewhere on this behind a bunch of other good books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So our, our uh, youth group went through that, and I was the only youth, I think, that uh, in my age group there. It was an old people church predominantly. And I read those books. I got really scared of things like the rapture and hell and 
condemnation and all of this. And, and, but, but however, what that taught me was that I needed a savior and that I was a sinner. And I believed that I understood that the only other thing I knew was that there was a God in heaven who sent his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who never sinned, who was perfectly obedient to his father. Although I could never have articulated it that clearly. Um, but I knew that if I, if I believed in that Jesus and I, and I asked God to forgive me for my sins, that I could be saved. Unfortunately, for that 12-year-old boy, that was all that I knew. So I had this wrong idea that my salvation was only as good as my last repentant prayer. And what that looked like was a, a tense, stressed out little boy in this constant process of Sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent. And, and let me tell you, there, there's a healthy way to sin and repent and have that kind of a relationship with God. We should all be in constant consideration of repentance. Um, but for me, it felt like life or death, like, like my salvation was on the line every time I sinned. And so uh, all I knew at that point was that I had to put my faith in that Jesus and I repented and, and that I was born again, as they say, as a, as a Christian. But I, that was it. And so I thought that that was only as good as my, my last prayer. And then for the next 10 years of my life, I didn't take another step toward God. Um, I did all sorts of regular worldly things. I chased, you know, rock and roll dreams and all of the, the craziness that goes along with that. I met my wife when I was 17 uh, moved to Indiana to, to be near her because I was super in love with her, as I mentioned on the last episode. Um, and I wasn't going to church at that point. We had tried a couple of churches. Uh, we would visit her folks' church on occasion in Goshen, Indiana, Grace Church. Um, and I'd, I'd learn when I'd go there, but I didn't have a, a real deep knowledge base, uh, certainly no Bible knowledge. And it wasn't until we moved here uh, early in our marriage and started going to, to Koinos Church that uh, I had really plainly heard the gospel explained. And, and it could just be that I was dense and, you know, it could be that I was in the same room as the gospel hundreds of times and that maybe my mind just was, was you know, wandering. But um, we came to Koinos Church and in one of the very first Sundays I was there, I remember just this distinct feeling of how different it felt because this is a church that teaches through the Bible. And Pastor Jonathan just systematically was was walking through text. And I thought, boy, this guy's in his Bible a lot more than all these other churches we've been trying out. Uh, let's go back and try it again. And we did. And then, sure enough, there he was, going through the Bible consistently the entire sermon. And uh, and I started hearing him talk about things like inerrancy of Scripture, ideas that, that were brand new to me terms and ideas, and there are still, by the way, a million nerdy Bible terms that I have to Google when I hear them. Uh, uh, shout out to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for pounding those into my brain. Um, but but it all started in me then this hunger to go grow in knowledge and understanding of God's Word. So at that point, at 20, let's say two years old, 21, 22, um, I just started sprinting toward it because a good pastor and a good, good godly uh, Bible teaching church told me to go read Ephesians. And then I got done with that. And he said, go read John. And I got done with that. And then he gave me another one and another one. And I got in a, a men's group and I got in a Bible study and I became wholly dedicated uh, to growing in knowledge and understanding of God's word, because that is where I grew in knowledge and understanding of God, the creator of the universe, um, the one to whom I owe my life. The gospel changed my position before the father when I was 12 years old. It changed the outcome for my life when I was 12 years old. But I don't know that it truly changed my life and the way that I live it until I was in those early 20s years uh, and became really dedicated to pursuing after God in a meaningful way and really giving my life to His to him in service and in, in my love and my worship and, and this, this much bigger idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And that is uh, where I sit today, completely changed. Um, and I owe it all to my Savior. So Awesome. Not, not of your own works? Not at all, in any way, shape, or form. No, through Christ alone, mm. through faith alone, by grace alone. There's some other ones that's in Latin, tattooed on your arm. Tattooed on my arm. 
along with your social security number. Hey, now, stop messing with me about that, man. I'm going to get my – people are going to track me down at the pool next year and write that down, and I'll have, like, <laughs> Nigerian princes contacting me for more money. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've i got some ideas about some cover-up tattoos that we could talk about later. Well, I did find out today that that's not an army thing, apparently. It's idiot Marines do it. Yeah, our our newly minted producer, David, has informed us that uh, guys in the army don't tattoo their personal uh, identity theft information on their body. So that's that's good, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So, uh, Emery, talk to me about your testimony. I think yours uh, spans continents and countries. Uh, share it again with me, if you would. Yeah, man. Um, so I, my parents were saved, radically saved. So I, my mom would tell stories about her and my dad would uh, roll joints and smoke weed. And uh, I was like three and would help like roll them for him. I, I'd be like Michael Scott right now. Like no joke. If you tried to sell me oregano in a bag, I'd be like, oh, cool. I got some weed in this bag. If if you're an office fan, I, I'm pretty sure that was an episode on there, but yeah, it was a caprese salad. Yeah, is what it was. It wasn't it wasn't a regular. It was caprese right, salad. Okay. But let me just Messing say, that up. I'm gonna say this: you're a youth minister. Uh, what's your official title? Minister of students. Minister of students. I love that title. It's very authoritative. Um, I think that a lot of parents would find comfort to hear that the minister of students who oversees the youth group at their church isn't super marijuana familiar. I just did that when I was three. If they would have caught me as a toddler, yeah. I might have been trying to deal it, but the um, that ignorance is welcomed, I think, for most of those parents. Yeah. So my parents. So we lived in Germany. Um, um, so we would live in Alaska when I was at that age. They were kind of heavy into that. We moved to Germany. I was about five, so it's been eighty-one. Um, there was this. So my parents' story is very much part of my story. And that's why I'm starting with this real quick. Um, my mom used to come downstairs to do laundry in the building we lived in in Germany, in Zweibrück in Germany, and uh, there was always this lady, Sue Kelly, was her name. And she wore these outfits that I think she must have made herself, but they were covered in like Jesus sayings, like and her little Noah's Ark pictures. And she had she had like one for every day of the week. And I don't know if she wore them when she did her laundry, and she just that was what she rocked in the laundry room or what. But she would corner my mom and just share the gospel with her. Would she point at her clothes? I don't know. Visual I don't, aids? I don't recall that. Maybe maybe it was like three circles, nineteen eighty one style. <laughs> um. But uh, she would share the gospel with my mom, and man, my my mom uh, um, began to understand um, her sin, her need for repentance, and um, she repented of her sin and started following Jesus there. And then um, went told my dad. My dad was like super happy about it, and that's the most sarcastic way I can say it. I think right now, oh, oh, he okay. was not happy about it. Okay. Um, so my mom started going to church at Swybrookin Baptist Church, and a, a retired, I think he was an Air Force first sergeant was the pastor there. Doing English services? Doing English services. Okay. So it was a missionary church to the um, uh, Army Air Force community in that area. Got it. So Brother Mac is what we called him. And Brother Mac was an awesome man and, and loved God, and he loved people. And he came to our house, and my dad blew smoke rings in his face, telling him he didn't want to hear about anything to do with church, anything about Jesus. He didn't need that. He was good with God. It didn't matter. He was all right. Uh, and brother Mac didn't quit. He kept sharing. He kept coming to our house. My mom kept going to church and she was growing in her faith. And my dad kept going and he, or brother Mac would keep coming. And finally, my dad had his heart changed by the Holy spirit, um, confessed his sin, repented of his sin and started following Jesus. So at age five, my life changed a lot because my parents changed a lot. So your dad, give me a rough idea. What was the time frame? between when your mom was saved and your dad was saved? Just over a month, if I remember the okay. story right. But as a five-year-old, that's like eight years. Right? Yeah, that yeah. feels like an eternity. Yeah, and I don't remember the tension there, frankly. Sure. No idea, but I know the story enough from them. What a faithful that. brother that, that Brother Mac was. Oh, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to worship with him again. The Lord used that man to change the history of your family. Definitely. Generationally. His obedience. And, and Sue Kelly, I I think she passed away last year. Uh, my mom always called her her Jesus mom. Wow. Um, but Sue Kelly, same thing. She was just relentless, relentless at sharing the gospel with my mom. Didn't care if she was making her uncomfortable and corner. So my parents come to faith in Christ. They start going to church regularly. They're serving in the church. Um, 
I would guess probably a year goes by. And in the 80s, flannel graph was like a big thing. And it may still be big. I don't know what that means. So flannel graph is like like a felt board. And you've got these little like character cutouts. It's got like yeah. surfer Jesus. Yep. Like yep. blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus with the white, blue sash. And then do they stick to the they felt stick board? to the felt and they tell Bible stories. Yep. So really cool visual in the eighties. We didn't have Roku TVs. Um so they no do these visuals. Tales. Yeah, for veggie tales. Um but uh so they do these visuals. Um and again, these are people who love Jesus. They were trying to disciple me as a kid and show me who Jesus share the gospel with me in their way. So the flannel, I'm not knocking flannel graph. I know a lot of people have probably come to faith because of flannel graph stories. Me, not so much. Um, but, you know, um, as we said in the Marine Corps, I perpetrated a fraud when I was about five and a half, six years old. Okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, I prayed that prayer because uh, the flannel graph that week, if I remember right, was like burning hell or, hey, look at this cool thing of what heaven will look like. Super compelling. Which do you think you want? to do i don't want flannel hell <laughs> flannel hell. i want flannel heaven <laughs> yeah save me jesus uh, that sounds like another awesome band name if we ever if we ever ditch this and I, I start learning to play my bass i have to say so i hate to interrupt the testimony because you got some steam going right now and it's it's cooking um we cut out the band name part oh man that was from the lost tapes oh the lost tapes. We'll, we'll release those like on our greatest hits one yeah day. yeah so we came up with some really uh accidentally came up with a sick band name but we're going to talk more about that later in fact i remember the dating question that spurred that on so i'm going to bring that up i'm going to bring that because we so didn't we'll, that one again we'll circle back okay so flannel graph right, so flannel graph fake, fake salvation uh, story so i get dunked in water so everybody's happy uh, they say hey did you pray this prayer i'm like yeah like a two weeks later, I'm getting dumped in the baptism down in the basement of the church, um, getting wet. I wasn't baptized because I wasn't a believer. Um, we so, will do a baptism episode at some point. Yeah, because I think sure. that's super important what you just said. So if yeah. that if that thought doesn't totally compute with you, stand by for uh, more on that later. And or email us to the show. We'll put the email up again and and put it out at the end of the episode because we want you to know about baptism. Yeah, so let's throw, just so we don't forget, it's the Godly Manhood Podcast at gmail.com. So if questions, anything like that, if anything we're talking about, pass that on to us. We'll get back with you. So um, I'll do a little bit of quick fast forward here. Fast forward, so I'm five, six years old. Um, I've spent my whole life in church. Um, joined the Marine Corps when I'm 17. Um, was very active in youth. People, my wife marries me did not know I was not a Christian I was doing a good job and I never told her I was like well it doesn't matter at that point I'm like oh, I'm good I went to church um had kind of rejected all the teaching I'd heard because I grew up in Baptist churches it's not like they were telling me like oh you just have to do do this and you're good or um you know it wasn't works-based by any means was it the no dance and no fun kind of Baptist I, yeah I was Shiite Baptist is what I like to call it um <laughs> there's an independent independent Baptist uh, we had fun, though. I mean, I don't think we danced ever. I still can't dance. I can't raise my hand in worship without throwing my shoulder out. So, <laughs> I would love to to be able to say the reason I can't dance is because I grew up Baptist. I did not grow up Baptist. And also, I would never dance. It just won't. I would never. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Okay. So, uh, so hey, 17, join the Marine Corps. Um, uh, get to boot camp. Remember... Uh, church and the, my need for God a lot in boot camp. So I think I got saved three times, four times in boot camp. And by that, I'm joking. Um, I said, God, I'll do anything you want. Let me survive tomorrow. Um, a few times. Um, did chapel services because I'm like, I got to go to church while I'm at boot camp. I'm going to die. Um, what happens if I die here? I'm going to go to hell. So for me, it was like, I'm going to check this box by going here. Um, so that turned into 10 years or nine years in the Marine Corps, but 10 years total, to fast forward to about 2004, and this time doing whatever I want to do, living in sin, um, not even trying to. I tell people I'm a Christian because culturally I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I am. Um, I have Baptist tattooed on my ribcage from when I wasn't even a believer because I was a that was what's on my dog tag because I grew up Baptist. Were you in church in 04 in that frame? So, no. So that's... Um, so in 2004, um, I, so I got medically discharged from the Marine Corps in 2003 and it's been about a year. I was in school. My wife was working in a nurse as a nurse. I was actually stay at home dad in it at that point, going to school, um, on my GI bill. And, um, it was January around new year's. It was like January 1st of 2004. Um, I had a lot of my, my whole 
old unit Marines that I trained there in Iraq. I'm in Huber Heights, Ohio, chilling while my wife's working night shift and I'm changing diapers and feeding my daughter Madison. Um, kind of a wreck emotionally. My wife had told me, hey, you need to go talk to some counselors at the VA. Um, I was just in a bad spot. Um, so it's early morning and uh, I just have this desire. I, I have this realization like, man, I need God. And I really even at that moment, I was like, I don't know what that means exactly, but I know I need to do something churchy, but it's midnight. What can I do? So I go up into our storage room and I dig through a box and I find the Bible my parents gave me um, when I was real young. I start reading through John because my dad always said, if I'm going to disciple somebody who's a new believer, I'm going to take him to John and walk through it with him. And I remembered that. That's a great place to start. If you're new to Jesus, John 1. Yeah. Or any of John. But yeah, yeah. yeah I love so that. I just started in John 1 and, and I, don't, I didn't make it to John 3.16. I just had this overwhelming conviction and, and understanding of my sin because of at that point really 22 years my parents were still believers um, I grew up in church so 22 years of um, the gospel being shared with me yeah. seeds being planted over and over so I was told completely by myself but people would share the gospel with me my life since I was five um, and and I repented of my sin confessed um, agreed um, with scripture that said that, and I knew the Romans road, man, like I could quote scripture still at yeah. that age. Cause I grew up doing it. So I'm like, I know these verses, Hey, wages of sin. It's like all this stuff started coming back as I'm sitting there reading John wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Um, all the ones you read here at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so the Romans road was shared with me a lot in the independent Baptist church. That's what that was their go-to. Yeah. Um, so no, I repented of my sin, and I said, like, I'm going to follow Jesus. This is what I need. My wife came home from work the next day, and I said, hey, I got saved last night, because I knew the terminology. And she's like, what do you mean you got saved? Like, you've been saved since mm. I know you. I was like, no. I was totally just lying. Like, even if I didn't realize it in certain moments, sure, I wasn't. God sa- I was saved last night. And then a week later, I knew I got to go somewhere, tell people, and get baptized. Wow. So a week later, I was at a church in Huber Heights. How did you? Them. How did you pick a church? I mean, you're you're no church at that. No point. church at all. So, again, by God's grace, um, my mom. Anytime we came to Huber Heights um, as kids, because my grandma lived there, we would always go to the same church, Huber Heights Baptist Temple. Okay, still there, um, and uh, that's where we went. Um, and for about two years, so I got baptized, started um, growing there. Wasn't really being discipled. Um, there were some things there that I had issue with. Um, so after about a little over two and a half years, we exited. Um, and at that point, I was doing some political consulting, doing some of that, um, working on campaigns, and uh, kind of let that become my idol. Okay. Stopped growing. And so fast forward there, um, just to try to keep this brief, um, fast forward to uh, 2013. So we're... I'm probably six years of getting back into a routine of Christmas and Easter only in it and doing what you said earlier, just not growing. Like, yeah. I was a believer. My conversion was real. Yeah. Um, but I was in sin. At that point, I had a very heavy pornography addiction. Um, for We'll probably get into that story later. Um, again, was convicted of that sin. And um, just, I kept, I was in the cycle of repenting of the sin, but falling back into it. But I wasn't being discipled. I wasn't in a church. All these things that we'll talk about here that are important. You talked about in your testimony, men's groups and accountability from people. Yeah. Um, so end up, cool God story, just of it is, I ended up at a church in a First Baptist Vandalia at the time. Um, immediately got into an amazing small group. Um, had men pouring into me, got into a men's group on Wednesday nights, and um, just began growing. My sanctification levels went off the charts all of a sudden because it was, I was being told, Hey, this is important, man. Like this is what you need to be doing. All that stuff you're doing doesn't matter. Yeah. That's for eternity. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All these things you're seeking joy in. So I was being showed how to rightly follow Jesus in that church by some amazing guys in my, in a small group environment, but then three hours a night on Wednesdays for a few years too. Um, so all of that, just to kind of wrap is uh, that radically saved in 2004, um, repented of my sin, understood 
the truth of the gospel that um, Jesus died um, and suffered God's wrath. So I don't have to if I will repent and follow him. And and growing still today, sinning every day, yeah. Um, but walking in faith and repentance every single day, and confessing my sin often, and encouraging my kids, my wife, and asking others to encourage me too. Hey, if if, if I'm in sin, I tell people, hey, come tell me, because I lived a long time not confessing my sin and was miserable, um, and very far from God in that, and and I do not want to do that anymore. Yeah, it's a lonely island. Uh being trapped with sin and not having anybody to talk to. Uh, one thing that, that I think was prevalent in both of our stories was godly men encouraging us, spurring us on toward the Lord. And we will talk about that ad nauseum, I'm sure, o- over oh, the years. Yep. Um, because that is, God puts good men in our lives with purpose uh, to point us toward him for God's glory. The, the way that oftentimes, the way that God grows and builds disciples and makes disciples is through other godly men that God puts in their lives and continues to point them uh, that way. And godly friendship uh, has improved the quality of my life exponentially. I think that um, so many good godly men are doing it the wrong way because they're doing it alone. And it might be the church you're in or the group you're running with or the guys at work that just you have a hard time connecting to. But I will tell you that there are countless biblical examples of godly men surrounding themselves with other godly men to do the work of the Lord. That is the Bible story. Just about every single Bible story. It's it's a guy, except there's one about a guy named Jonah that came to my mind because my seminary professor talked about it today. Uh, I was I sat through a lecture on this today. There There's an example of a guy who was not surrounded by godly men who uh, tried to point him into a better way or, or to suffer along with him. He just... Yeah, anyway. So, are there any chiasms in Jonah? There are. Yes, there's a very clear chiasm in Jonah. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Professor Jim Hamilton, uh, SB. Yeah. Uh, and well, yeah. Okay. You're, you're making my brain rabbit trail here. Sorry. But no, that's great. That's <laughs> great. We're going to, and I think that's great. And I appreciate you sharing that story. And uh, I like last time you talked a little bit about your mom and her connection with the song Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Yeah. And how that. When you hear that song now, you just think about what you refer to today as that radical salvation of your mom. She was here last night for a little bit and um, needed a book on Psalms. She was looking for one, and I pointed her to Grace Christian Books. She called them while she was here, and Paul Couch put her on hold, and the hold music was Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Nice. I was like, Mom, listen. Nice. So we like on speaker. like So it just, yeah, man, that still resonates so well, and I love seeing her light up as soon as she hears it so yeah when we switch this to audio for people that don't know emory haven't been in his house the the room that we're in is just books basically it's just books so people come here seeking godly knowledge and wisdom on paperback and they get it and he i walked out of here with a stack of books a couple of weeks ago i have two stacks over there that i'm trying to give away i'll peruse them it's it looks like the ellen degeneres autobiography and something about um Joyce Meyer? There's some Joel Steen over there yeah, on the bottom. That was all a joke. That That's... was all extra for COVID if toilet paper runs out again. <laughs> if you're if you're new to us, none of that was real. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so, Brian, um, as we're talking about testimonies, um, and we, we want to, you know, we have a certain time period we're trying to stick here. but Oh, yeah, we're crushing so it. What I love about our church um, is that every Sunday, whether you're preaching, uh, Pastor Batty, uh, Nathan, um, Jonathan, every Sunday, um, at the end, there's a call, um, not so much a public invitation like traditional, but there is a, a ask of, hey, if you've heard something here today that caused you to have questions or you realize you're not following Jesus now yeah. and you want to know how to do that, come chat with one of us is, is the gist of That's that. perfect. That what, what is said. Yep. Um, so there's, I hope there's people listening to this that have no idea what it means to follow Jesus. And I thought it would be good um, before we kind of get our banter on the back end. Yeah. That's where we're going to always keep it. So if people don't want to hear us yap, they don't have to. Sure. Um, they want to hear it, but go ahead. They, yeah, we know we know they're sticking around. You didn't get 20 million listeners by not doing witty banter. Exactly. Okay. Um, so, so, so if I'm coming up and I've just heard this amazing presentation of the gospel in Ecclesiastes, and I come up and I'm like, hey, 
Brian, share, share, how do I follow Jesus? What does, what does that look like? What does that even mean? What are you, what are you going to tell me? Yeah. Tell the listeners. That's great. I, I, I like the way that you made the distinction to, and what we say and how we say it, because what we do not do is an altar call that results in us keeping a running tally at our church of how many salvations, air quote, salvations or baptisms happen that year. Um, because that is not good. Uh, what we really strive to do is engage with people who we, who, who are telling us, I heard the gospel, or and I want to know more. Or I heard about this Jesus, I, I know about it, and I'm ready to take the next step, whatever that means for them. So it, it entirely depends on where that person is, the journey that they've traveled to get to that point, right? So there's a lot of listening that happens. Um, but the first thing that any of us would do is to expressly tell them, really, those Roman road points. It, it's, it's, it, it, the, the first question I ask anybody if they're curious, Jesus curious, and, and I'll say this even to maybe somebody who's claiming to be a believer, but they're, I'm trying to feel out where they're at so I can best serve them. Mm-hmm. I'll say, who is Jesus to you? And how they answer that question helps me understand their basic knowledge and understanding, right? So if they say, he's the son of God, great. Uh, what else? And, you know, you just kind of push in on that. So what I tell people um, who come up after a Sunday service is I'm really, really glad that you're willing to take that step because you have to be pretty brave to do that. And, and then that's really going to be the beginning of a longer relationship and conversation. But basically in that, that time, we're going to talk about the fact that, um, that they were made by a loving God and they're made in his image and that our sin separated us from that loving God. And that he loved us so much that he wants to be restored to us. Or he wants us to be restored to him. Let me say it better. Um, And so he sent his son Jesus to die so that we could have life in him. Uh, And I I have used many times Ephesians 2 um, when I share the gospel with people. Because I think that there's this really clear picture of sin and the former self. Right For somebody who is lost, they're identified in the first part of Ephesians 2. For somebody who is saved, their former self is reflected in the beginning of Ephesians 2. And then it just so plainly explains what happens to a believer. When somebody puts their faith in Jesus, there is a transformation that happens there. And that is so clearly reflected. So we'll read that together, and then we talk about it. We go into a longer conversation. But I'm going to read that real quick, because I have it in front of me. Um, It starts talking about... Uh, where we are as sinners, when we know that we, or whether we know it or not, need a Savior. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And that's a good place to identify, okay, if you're, if you're approaching this God now, you need to know that that's your camp, yeah. and that's where you are now. But then you keep reading, and it gets way better. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we should walk in them. And that really hits all the points. You're a sinner. But there's some really good news on the back end of that. And so then you have to explain the Romans road. Here's what we do. We have to confess our sin, repent, uh, uh, and, and tell God that we want to follow his will for our life and obey his will for our life. And when we devote ourselves to that and we submit to that, there's this great relief because all of the sudden, you know exactly who you are, you know exactly who you belong to, and you know in whose image you were made. And there is great clarity and freedom in that. Uh, so that is a very long answer to a very simple question, and I apologize. But uh, that that text has been helpful for me with strangers, with family, and everybody in between. 
No, man, thanks for sharing that. And and I really, I don't know, I don't apologize for going long on that one because to me, if uh, maybe we should cut that and throw it on the front end. <laughs> so that's what everybody hears right at the beginning. But um, it's a, a very clear presentation of what it means. It's it's not that you want to go to heaven or you want to go to hell. Yeah. Hey, uh, trust, uh, f- pray this prayer and life's going to be amazing. Or, or like I saw a Rod Parsley clip today, give me 300 bucks and your life will be good. Ooh. Yeah. Or, or whatever you got. He said, if you don't have 300, whatever you got. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so, so it's just it's awesome to hear that. And then and how that closes out, that we should walk in them. Yeah. And I think that's going to be where we head with this and discussions weekly is, is what are we doing to walk with God daily, to follow Jesus daily, yeah. um, to follow those commands that so many people say, oh, that's legalism. Well, no, there's things we're supposed to do if we're Christians. Yeah, the Bible says we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's, that feels like a really tall order when you're new to the gospel. Yeah. Um, but what you realize pretty quickly is that there's extraordinary freedom in obeying the Lord. Yeah. Because those, those commands, those rules, those precepts are there for your good and for God's glory. And that's what it's all about. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. So, uh, man, I feel kind of stupid jumping into this next thing after that. We should, I feel like we should just be and cut. No, this is what the people sign up this for. Is, this is, what this is why they come want. back. Okay, I want to start with the speed ahead question ahead. because this is the, the question that got us to the metal band. And this may just become a thing where we do like two or three every episode. I still think we need to just start dragging people in here and interview them and asking just these questions. I don't care about anything else about your life. Yeah. Tell me what you think of PDA. Oh, but not you right now. But yeah, no, we, yeah, we covered that. Yeah. Yeah, no, seize, seize the carp, as the French say. So, uh, okay, the question that got uh, erased in the lost tapes was, do you send food back if there's hair in it? At a we restaurant? really cut that one? We cut that one, yeah. Oh, man, that's my bad. Yeah, well, no, I mean, that was, yeah, the audio wasn't right. So if you're at a restaurant, there's hair in the food, do you send it back? <laughs> do you want me to answer it yeah, first please. this time? Okay. So I... Do not mess with people who mess with my food. Great call. I Nobody. I don't care if it's one of my kids in the kitchen, and I'm like, hey, cook that a little longer. I'm going to go microwave a little longer. And yeah. Like, not happening. So definitely not in a restaurant. No. And I, if I have a complaint about the food, it's very quiet, and I will get E. coli before I send it back. <laughs> um, but when it comes to hair, oh, I get grossed out. The thought of it makes me want to gag right now. Yeah. But I will kind of like isolate that section of my food and I'm just going to grin and bear it and eat it. Do you remember what we call that isolated portion? Is it a, it, Harry it's a, Island or something? Hair like? Island. You hair make Island. A, you make a Hair Island on your entree. Hair you Island. isolate and you move around it. And then, yeah, great hair. name for a band. So we got Hair Island and Flannel Hill. Yeah. We got to just make a list. We'll put those on the whiteboard. I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I'm in the same camp. I don't mess with people that touch my food. So I would, uh, and I, it doesn't even really gross me out that much. I would just take it off and, yeah. That's, I'm moving forward. All right, what else that do we have? A good one. I can't believe I, I, we cut that out of there. It's okay. Um, what is your favorite TV show? Oh, okay. So I in today's it. day and age, that's hard because there's like streaming. Are Not, we talking streaming shows or actual television like ever in history? I don't have the internet, uh, so it's always 25-year-old shows or older. Um, the, the first one that came to my mind, and it's probably not the best answer, but I love, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I've been identified as a bit of a Larry David, uh, just cantankerous and really set in my ways. Um, I am also a monster King of Queens fan. So much so, here we go. So much so that I have a tattooed portrait of Jerry Stiller on my leg. That's the story of that. With a quote from the show. So, uh, and I'm also a massive Seinfeld fan, and he's on that show as well. So uh, we both have bad tattoos. <laughs> Shout out to our producer, David, with the worst We tattoos. could make it, but well, they got preachers and sneakers. We'll do uh, oh, what rhyme? Podcast, got... hoster, podcast hosts with... Pods with body mods? Pods with body mods. That? <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> also Not a bad. band name. <laughs> um, Not bad. Not bad. So favorite TV show. I didn't start watching The Office until it was, like, on Netflix. Yeah. Late adopter. Never even heard of it. Great people, show. People were telling me, like, how did you never see this show? Because I like to think I got a pretty good sense of humor. So they just assume yeah. that I would know everything about it. It tracks. It took 50%. me about four or five episodes. But what 
got me started was the scene where the CPR scene. Staying alive. Where he cuts the face off, and he's like, <laughs> after I saw that, I'm like, I have got to watch the yeah. show. Yeah. And it, that's later on in the show. So it, I almost didn't make it, but yeah, The Office, um, I'll turn it on as background noise if I'm doing something in the house. Same here. I don't care. Um, Karen's probably watching it right now while we're doing this. I DVR them on DirecTV regularly just to have them. You just never know. Yeah, we just bought season nine. Like we've worked our way back through Good. Um, to season nine now again. So that'll be, uh, and that's got one of my favorite scenes ever in it when Dwight shoots his uh, aunt or whatever to make sure she's dead. And it's a, it's, it's a true family tradition. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the best thing ever. So, um, what's your favorite smell? This is disgusting. I hate this question. I hate everything about this question. It made me immediately. It's not your uh, jujitsu buddies. It made me immediately uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> I don't even like thinking about smells. Uh, I tell you one that my wife hates that I like to wear to be ornery. Uh, really, it's it's like peak obnoxious. I, I got a free bottle of Stetson cologne one time. Uh, so it, it was a complete accident. I want to preface that because I don't want to be accused of thievery. Uh, but we were like at a Walmart or somewhere with a self-checkout. And we, we had a bunch of bags, and we got out to the car. We got home, and then one of these bags had a bottle of Stetson. And what I decided was somebody left it, like paid for it and left it in their bag and didn't take the bag. So I jokingly told my wife, I'm going to wear this. And she's like, over my dead body. And sure enough, I'll break it out unannounced. I'll just wear it and then make my presence known in the house once in a while. And she does not like that. What about you? What's your favorite favorite smell? Gross. Favorite smell. I love the smell of gunpowder. Okay. Yeah, good answer. Like, I think I even texted Dave this past week and was like, inhale some gunpowder fumes for me because I'm not going to be doing that. Yeah. But I love the smell of it. If I could get a candle, I just love the smell of it. That, I don't either, know if it's... that either has to exist or it will exist on the Godly Manhood Podcast website. Yeah, we'll have to get a, a Etsy shop. I love it. We'll yeah, see I if, uh, what was Jan's? Uh, oh, Sense candle. by Jan Sense or by something? Jan or... Yeah. Uh, serenity serenity, serenity. that is why our producer needs a microphone yeah we need to get him on and he will have one uh, he right. has one last one okay. which artist dominates your music playlist oh hands down it's going to end up being our intro music if i have anything to say about it lately i go in i go in cycles i'm going to say that i go in cycles it's and none of it is new music uh a christian hardcore band called for today uh, Maddie Montgomery was a singer. He's a pastor now in Johnson City, Tennessee. That uh, that band gets probably played more by my wife and I. Probably more by my wife than me. And I, that, honestly, one of the most attractive qualities about her uh, is that she likes heavy music. Um, so yeah, for today, great stuff. Uh, great, good, solid, God-glorifying, heavy music. What about you? I love Beautiful Eulogy. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but um, they're. I'm trying to think how I would describe their music. It's not like there. There are a couple of white guys from like Seattle, so it's like not like techno-y, but like kind of rappy, poppy. Kind of. I don't know what you would call it, but it's like uh, Christ-based. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. So I'm sorry. Yeah. They're they're amazing, and I got to see them in concert with uh, Chris Early. Actually, we rolled up in there. And Chris got to see me raise my hands once, and I, my shoulder still hurts. That was like five years ago. That's as close to dancing. Yeah, you I was like waving my hand, like like I just don't care in the air or whatever they say. When you said it, I thought, "What is that symphony song from the '90s by Ver the Verve or the Verve Pipe? Uh, Bittersweet Symphony, which jacked the uh, they sampled a Rolling Stones song and got sued for like forty million dollars. Uh, do you know that song, Bittersweet Symphony? Probably you, if I heard it. You would know it immediately because it's got this violin intro and it's like a ripoff of a – anyway, side note, beautiful eulogy. Yeah, I love I, – I, that's I'll play it all the time. And I love reformed rap, <laughs> even though I ride around in my beat-up truck with my redneck edition on the back. That always gets looks when I'm riding through Troy blasting like – Christian um, hip-hop. Christian hip-hop. I, I like uh, 90s East Coast hip-hop a lot. I will say embarrassingly – all right, one more and then we're out. Okay. What is the last concert you went to? Justin Moore at the phrase. Never heard of him. Country singer. He sounds great. He was I'm going to get I, hey, I'm going to take a guess. Concert. White fella? A little bit. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Okay. Likes to wear hats. Country guy named 
<laughs> Name Justin. Okay, pulling it back together. Uh, mine's real embarrassing uh, because I'm a really good friend. Uh, I went with our friend David to see a Japanese power metal band fronted by girls called Baby Metal. Is this a real story? This was two weeks ago, buddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was like two weeks ago uh, in Cleveland. And we got back at like you two in the morning. three hours on a work for night. like Japanese power, power metal. metal. Yeah. On a week Power night. metal? Yeah. Is power metal like heavy metal? What's power it's metal? It's fast Asian metal. I don't know. Like Dragon Force? You know Dragon Force? No. <laughs> you don't know Dragon Force? You never played like Guitar Hero? Through the Fire and Flames? Okay. Another the Last time I played video games, I think it was like ColecoVision. This was like 20 years ago. Well, yeah. Oh. You were a full-time you know, parent at that point, I guess. We're just... I'm also a little older than you guys. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. I was trying to be nice, but... <laughs> Okay, good. I like it. All right, awesome. Hey, thanks for joining us again tonight. And we're going to uh, transition a little more from the get-to-know-you type stuff to – and there will be still some aspects of that. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and start transitioning our next episodes to working through some of these things that we've, we talked about in the intro about what, what we're really trying to do with this. Um, and that will include us just talking and, and got, going back and forth with Scripture and how God's – um, grown us and some of the things that we we think men of God should have as traits and that they should work on, um, but also bringing people in um, to share that we would say model that well and we try to strive to grow the way they have and be encouraged by them in their walk with Christ um, and how they demonstrate these traits. Yeah, and I think uh, also write in, give us questions, topics, things like that. We're, we're going to cover a lot. There's a lot of great things to talk about and what it means to be a godly man approaching and leading in the world. And so that is an endless tale. But if there are things that you want to talk about, things that you want us to cover or questions, even if it's off the podcast, you just want us to respond to you and, and encourage you or, you know, whatever, give you some, uh, some, some place in the Bible to look for answers for a, a question, uh, hit us up there. And Emory, you want to give them that one more time? Yeah. And I would just add to that prayer request too. If we can pray oh, for yeah. you specifically, for sure do that. Don't hesitate even for a minute to send those, but uh, it's the godly manhood podcast at gmail.com. Perfect. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us and we will see you all in about a week. Peace. Peace.